Welcome to the Think Wildlife podcast. I will be interviewing Kaushik Sharma. He is a renowned conservationist and biologist who has worked extensively across Central Asia and the Indian Himalayas to study the coasts of the Himalayas, the snow leopard. We talk about various threats of the snow leopards in India and also what is being done to conserve these magnificent yet very elusive creatures. So what got you interested in working with snow leopards? Well, honestly it was a very organic uh, interest. Uh I had never been to the snow leopard habitat. I'd never been to the mountains. I only had only heard of snow leopards as the apex predator of the mountains uh when I was doing my PhD in central India in Panna Tiger Reserve. I was working on a small antelope species called the four-horned antelope. and while i was working on it there was another scientist who was uh, studying tigers and uh, it so happened that we ended up collaborating i benefited hugely from his uh, knowledge and his uh, 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 research project that was ongoing uh, and then at the uh, closer to the end of my phd project he had uh, Uh, he had moved to work with snow leopards uh, again incidentally he he is one of the first people to have done a phd on snow leopards in 1980s uh, anyway so he he went back to the snow leopard habitat and because i come from a from a physics background i've not been very shy of numbers uh, so it allowed us uh, an opportunity to explore and try and experiment on a few methods that could be used to monitor uh, assess and monitor snow leopards at that time the site occupancy methods uh, uh, were very new so we tried and tested them on a few uh, surveys and came up with a report and then of course i got busy writing my phd but then when the when i was finishing my phd the snow leopard trust was looking for someone who had sort of a similar background uh, as of mine uh would be able to uh, travel to some of the range countries where snow leopards are found and work with the local uh, researchers and scientists and help develop uh, research projects analyze them and um, also help with capacity building and so on now all of these were my primary interests so that's 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 basically how i slowly got introduced to the snow leopard world you published a research paper on the changing distribution of snow leopards and their prey in india over the last two decades yeah. so what were your key findings from this paper now uh, this paper was led by uh, my colleague uh, abhishek goshal um, dr abhishek goshal who's right now i think he is working with the bombay natural history society which is where i did my phd uh so yeah so this was an interesting work and one of the first few of its kind where uh we were able to estimate not just the current distribution but also the past distribution of snow leopards um across large landscapes and in this case the entire himachal pradesh so in my understanding i mean what it really did was it really helped us uh, estimate uh a which areas are a priority areas for snow leopards uh which areas are important for the species but more importantly identify the uh, the threats that the species is facing within himachal uh, pradesh 
Um, I think we looked at two time periods. One was 1985-90s, and the other one was between 2008 and 2012. So it gives gave us a very nice perspective of how things may have changed, how the snow leopards may have gone locally extinct in a certain areas, um, or their their ranging or the site use must have restricted restrained in a few areas, and how they may have expanded in a few. But uh, to me, I think the most critical uh, finding from this work was uh, uh, when we were able to assess the threats the species is facing, uh, which, uh, yeah, which indicated, uh, you know, uh, like free ranging dogs, illegal hunting, wildlife trade as some of the key threats uh, faced by the, the cats. And in another paper, you studied the diets of snow leopards and gray wolves in Kyrgyzstan. Yes. Oh, so what are the major findings of this paper and what are the com- uh, conservation implications? Yeah. So um, I'll start with the conservation implications. In fact, the research implications of this paper, which to me were very special. Uh, now in this, uh, in this field, in the field work that was done in this case by my colleague uh, Kuban, who's the director of Snow Leopard Foundation in Kyrgyzstan, uh, he collected scats across a large landscape in uh, the Tian Shan Mountains in Kyrgyzstan. Now, he collected several scats uh, that he believed were snow leopard scats, uh, tagged them um, and stored them. And then he also collected several scats that he believed were wolf scats. Now, Kuban has many, many, many years of uh, experience of being in the mountains. He's been a, uh, he, he's one of the most uh, experienced uh, field researchers in the region. And what was really remarkable was that when Kuban himself went and analyzed these purported uh, snow leopard scats in the genetics lab, he found a a substantial portion of what he thought were snow leopard scats were wolf scats. Uh, Some were other species as well. Uh, But even more interestingly, some of those cats that the team thought were wolf cats turned out to be snow leopard cats. Now, what it really tells us is that it's extremely important to uh, to investigate or to do the, at least that first level of screening of species that a cat belongs to before doing the diet analysis. Now, imagine if Kuban was not doing the genetic screening he would have ended up with a mixed bag of snow leopard and wolf scats. And whatever the diet uh, distribution he would have found, he would have, we would have said, this is the snow leopard diet. And whatever we would have thought were wolf scats, we would have assumed that this is the, what the wolf scats, uh, wolf's diet is, which would have been incorrect. So I think it, this, this, uh, this particular paper really highlights the importance of uh, uh, of doing genetic screening for these uh, uh, fecal uh, samples that you collect from the field to do diet analysis. You really need to make sure that it's coming from the species that is of your interest because even some of the most experienced people can sometimes get confused. Uh, so that 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 is one of the most important research implications. Apart from the findings, which was quite remarkable, uh, in many ways, one that snow leopards and wolves have an overlapping diet. Uh, in fact, uh, um, it 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 really allowed uh, uh, us to assess, you know, which is the most important prey, 
And then what are the uh, relatively less and less important prey for snow leopards and wolves? Uh, but then for both the species, you know, there was there was there was an overlap in their diet. And uh, another interesting uh, feature of this uh, paper was it identified marmots' uh, role as uh, as a, as a snow leopard diet, which is usually uh, undermined uh, because marmots are only out in the summer; they're not out in the winter. And also, in many parts of the snow leopard habitat, there there are no marmots whatsoever. So that really was an interesting uh, uh, assessment and finding. Um, and again, I mean, as a um, as a you know as a research paper from this uh, beautiful country, I think it was a fairly important contribution to to science. So, how is climate change impacting snow leopards? Yeah, now that's an important question. You know, I often start by saying that climate change is not a threat to snow leopard; it's a mother of all threats to snow leopards. Now, as as a species, the snow leopard might be uh, resilient enough to tolerate a few degrees of variation in uh, overall temperature. I mean, this we're talking about a species which lives from minus 40 degrees Celsius in parts of its range to plus 40 degrees Celsius in other parts during certain seasons. It it can live in these extremes. It has it does live in such extremes. Uh, so it may not suddenly, uh, you know, go extinct overnight by the rise of temperature itself only. Uh, the vegetation changes may happen slowly and over time. So it may take several decades for the vegetation changes to uh, take place. But what will affect a species uh, like the snow leopard, which is also an apex predator in these mountains, is how humans respond to climate change. Now, we all know the number of flash floods are going to increase. The number of extreme winters uh, or the frequency of extreme winters is going to increase. Uh, the the amount of water that precipitates in a short period of time is changing dramatically. Several seasonal patterns are shifting so much that uh, a lot of these herders and uh, uh, farmers in these uh, in the snow leopard habitat or who depend on the snow leopard habitat are are finding it extremely difficult to to continue the ways of life so many of them are are now required to move closer to the snow leopard habitat or closer to those habitat which they were earlier not visiting many of them will have to uh, change their uh, pastures and herding practices altogether uh, and then with the with the extreme winter killing many livestock as if life is not already difficult it will make even it even more difficult for some of these people uh, and it may then have a direct impact on their tolerance to a predator which is of course in direct conflict with uh, with their livelihood uh, so in the current form like you know snow leopards predate on livestock uh, as and when they they may get an opportunity now, with that, what is likely to happen is there could be greater conflicts, there could be lesser tolerance, and that is the kind of impact which uh, a large predator like a snow leopard will get very badly affected with, uh, affected by. So I think that's that's where the climate change is going to be to have this multi-pronged impact uh, where 
it uh, the prominence of that impact will be in how humans respond to these dramatic changes that are already being seen in the area so currently how severe is the problem of human snow leopard conflict as of now even today i think it's considered to be one of the primary threats to snow leopards uh even illegal wildlife trade in snow leopards is primarily driven uh by conflict so uh, there was a report by traffic which uh identified that it's most likely that snow leopard uh, the illegal wildlife trade in snow leopards is more supply driven than demand driven what it means is that there is a herder who's very upset with the snow leopard killing uh, its lively uh, its livestock uh, or destroying his or her livelihood and uh, goes and kills the snow leopard now uh, he has a dead snow leopard he has skin so he finds someone to buy it uh, and it you know somehow recover his uh, losses and uh, then he finds a buyer that buyer finds an intermediary that intermediary then supplies it to the international trade or wherever that's how the that's so that's where uh, the conflict directly contributes to illegal wildlife trade in fact drives illegal wildlife trade but uh, apart from that um, and there are newer threats which are coming up such as uh, linear infrastructure poorly planned uh, uh, poorly planned uh, infrastructure and mines and dams and what these are doing is that they are posing uh, you know another layer of much larger uh, scale of threats uh, so so yeah i can i mean i can easily say that's uh, you know conflict or uh, negative interaction between snow leopards and humans is still one of the primary threats to the species what are some solutions to the human snow leopard conflict now that's a good question anish uh, the the solution to human wildlife conflict is uh, to recognize that it's these people who are the primary stakeholders they are the primary um, uh, you know where the primary audience you should be addressing if you have to conserve snow leopards we cannot conserve snow leopards in protected areas uh there's less than 4% of the protected areas across the snow leopard range which are big enough to have a viable snow leopard population so snow leopards will go outside protected area they're massive home ranges and when they go outside protected area they are likely to get into conflict even within protected areas there is human settlements so they will be in conflict so the the key the most important way to deal with Uh, negative interaction between humans and snow leopards is to to partner with uh, people and uh, co-evolve solutions that can help reduce their losses uh help understand the value of you know biodiversity conservation uh, in those areas but more importantly which really help the communities minimize their losses and improve their uh attitudes or negative attitudes transform their negative attitudes towards positive towards these uh, wild predators so i think the only way and the only uh, effective uh, the most effective way to deal with uh, negative interactions between humans and snow leopards is to to work to partner with people
beyond human wildlife conflict what is being done to conserve snow leopards in india i mean you know as a as a as a species which has large ranges um i think snow leopards are found all the way from uh, ladakh jammu and kashmir all the way to arunachal pradesh uh, across the mountainous belt uh, each location or each landscape may have its own set of threats and each landscape may have its own uh, cultural uh, religious and geographical uh, nuances which uh, which change or which transform what challenges people are facing what challenges biodiversity is facing and how do you resolve those uh, challenges uh, those uh, issues so there are many programs which are being implemented with uh, uh, with uh, a great level of success uh, one of them which is called the livestock insurance program which uh, which allows people to recognize or identify their livestock which they need to protect uh, it's it's more like a sharing of losses model uh, where people join in resources create a pool of uh, uh, money which uh compensates whoever loses their uh livestock um, without the need of any intermediary and whatever that pool of money requires to be topped up this is the job of ngos and other partner organizations to to uh, to kind of top it up uh in some areas uh, they're working uh, using tourism uh, as a conservation tool which brings in a lot of resource in in the form of uh, uh livelihoods and hard money and it's directly linked with the conservation of the species now i just want to put a rider here that there can be good tourism and there can be very bad tourism uh, unless done the right way tourism can be extremely counterproductive and be detrimental to a species as well as a local economy in the long run so it's very important that uh, Uh, any tourism model or any in fact any conservation initiatives they are socially uh, and environmentally responsible uh, in the way they are planned and implemented so there are there are some of these uh, initiatives which are being uh, implemented across different parts of india you are also working on the implementation of the bishkek declaration through That's the global right. snow leopard and ecosystem protection program That's right yeah so what exactly is this declaration so uh you know in 2013 the then kyrgyz president uh, in fact the kyrgyz government hosted the first ever uh, international forum on snow leopard conservation by bringing together the governments of all the snow leopard range countries uh and when these countries came together they also invited uh, organizations institutions individuals Uh, who had different levels of expertise in snow leopard research and conservation and uh, so on so what they did they came together and they created uh, priorities for snow leopard con- conservation in each country now in, as i was just ta- telling you that within landscapes within a country you may have variations uh, similarly a threat in kyrgyzstan may not be a threat in mongolia or a threat to snow leopards in mongolia may not be a threat in bhutan and so on so with the help of these conservation uh, these experts and uh, 
international and national experts, each country created their national snow leopard and ecosystem priorities. These were put together and then there, were, uh, there was another set of uh, priorities which were identified as those issues which cannot be resolved or addressed by a single country. These transcend across borders like illegal wildlife trade and poaching or um, research for, for that matter, you know, research methodologies and so on. And uh, so these two sets of uh, uh, documents helped rec identify what is needed to ensure that snow leopards uh, are that snow leopards survive in the long term. And what uh, what then happened was all this information, this real sea of information, was synthesized into a two pager declaration which is like a blueprint of what does it take to conserve snow? What will it take to ensure snow leopards uh, are not uh, extinct in the next uh, few years? And it highlights a few key issues. It highlights challenges. It, it, it encourages countries. It, it recognizes and acknowledges countries for taking this initiative because for years, uh, given the small human population and given that there are very few um, economic development interests, there have been very few interests for economic development in the snow leopard habitat, uh, it's been out of mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And it's remained absent from the, uh, from the collective con uh, consciousness uh, of uh, people, including politicians. So this was the first time the governments of these countries came together and they realized, oh, this is an important issue. We need to work towards conserving the species because it's not just one species. It's an indicator of an entire ecosystem. Uh, and of course, it is one of the, uh, you know, the big, uh, the few, the uh, few indicators of uh, the health of these mountains, which provide water to billions of people. So that declaration is like a blueprint of what needs to be done to conserve snow leopards. Uh, and it, it provides a direction to researchers, conservationists, multilateral agencies, uh, UN agencies, and so on, to prioritize funding, to prioritize research uh, uh, goals, to prioritize conservation targets. So rather than 10 people pulling in different directions, trying to do different things and saying, my work is most important or my work is most important. Now everybody is collectively in agreement that, okay, no about conservation, here is what you need to do. If you're doing something which is aligning to these, these issues, that's, an, that's going to genuinely you know, uh, support the species in the long run. So that was the, the goal of, uh, I mean, that's what this Bishkek declaration is primarily all about. The important thing here is that it's not a static document. Uh, yes, that document is one, uh, but then this global snow leopard and ecosystem protection program, which was established to implement the Bishkek Declaration's goals, uh, it brings together governments every year or two uh, to discuss what's happened, what needs to be done, what priorities are changing. So it allows that uh, uh, it allows course correction all the time, where it's very dynamic. The group is very dynamic. These countries uh, have very dynamic leaders, and they're quite genuinely very much interested in conservation of the snow leopards and its habitat. And they're all aligning uh, uh, 
you know they they they're constantly uh, evolving and tweaking and modifying their goals towards conservation which is which is very 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 helpful so my final question for you is that uh, what has been your favorite sighting of a snow leopard in the wild <laughs> so you believe it or not anish my favorite sighting was just about you know when the snow leopard was just 2 meters from me and uh, yeah it, it was a chance sighting i think i was in mongolia and with a couple of my colleagues and a visitor we were just walking along a um sort of a, a ridge line very short ridge line in in south gobi you don't have very high mountains you have shorter uh, mountains there so we were just walking on the ridge line and i think one of us noticed there was a dead ibex in the in the little valley so this colleague of mine he just walked down to see the to see how fresh or old the ibex kill was and he went a bit took a bit of a circle around so that he doesn't disturb if there was a, an animal right there and he can see it from a distance it turns out that where we were and i stood there i just stood there just in case some movement i'll be able to see it turns out that where i was standing right below me there was a little uh you know a little uh, crevice and there was a snow leopard sitting right there which when it saw my colleague walking towards that uh, ibex kill suddenly thought that okay i don't want to be seen so just climbed up and came right in front of me and had such a funny expression on his face as if the human is there what are you doing here right like literally you know big round eyes looked at me with surprise i still remember the scars it was a big male uh, many scars on his face looked at me turned around and just you know flared away like a ribbon i could see its tail flaring and just, just trotted away yeah those uh, i think it was 3 seconds or 3 or 4 seconds but yeah it's like you know permanently uh, laser etched in the memory right <laughs> more i've heard most more sightings of snow leopards you need to have like a big scope and you'll of see course. them from like 100 meters away of course ideally that's how you should see them that's mm-hmm. how one should hope to see them this was a chance encounter mm-hmm. and i think i was also lucky that the uh, the snow leopard didn't i mean they usually are very harmless <laughs> the, they they usually avoid humans uh, and they're not there not many i think there's just one or maybe two recorded incidences where they may have uh, injured a human in uh, you know trying to escape uh, from a cornered position but otherwise they 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 usually avoid any interaction with humans but yeah this guy was very close to me so he could have just given me a bit of a swipe but no he decided no i can run away i think he yeah, i was also not intimidating enough probably and you know i <laughs> look more surprised and pleased to see it than willing to uh yeah trouble <laughs> so again thank you so much for your time thank you so much anish that's very nice talking to you if you enjoyed episode 7 don't forget to follow and give us a review on whichever platform you're listening to us on moreover you can also support think wildlife foundation's alternative livelihood program by buying products directly from our store all the revenue will be donated to the local communities producing these projects as we mentioned in the podcast human carnivore conflict and human wildlife conflict in general is on the rise to counter this um, alternative livelihood projects will reduce the costs 
of human wildlife conflicts while providing sustainable and alternative livelihoods to the various communities living in and around Indian forests. This is particularly crucial as over 200 million people depend on protected areas for livelihoods. Bye-bye.